This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. This BFM Budget 2023 special is brought to you by Marsing. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, you're listening to Sharmila Ganesan. Tonight, we break down Budget 2023. So the revised budget was tabled on Friday. Today, we look at what it has to offer both the rakyat as well as businesses. So tell us, what is most useful to you from Budget 2023? What stood out? You can call 7733 send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. This is Inside Story. Is 6.09 and on Friday, the uh, Prime Minister as well as Finance Minister, Dato Sri Anwar Ibrahim, tabled the Budget 2023, uh, 2.0 really. And uh, the current budget is actually the largest budget ever in our country's history. It comes in at 388.1 billion ringgit. It's the um, second one that was tabled after the abandoned one in October 2022 during the Dato Sri Ismail Sabri Yaakob administration. So if we look at uh, some of the larger allocations under the budget, the Education Ministry received the highest allocation of 55.2 billion ringgit, uh, an increase from 52.6 billion in 2022. The Health Ministry, meanwhile, received the second largest allocation, 36.3 billion, which is an increase from 32.4 billion last year. There have been a number of new taxes introduced as well, a luxury tax, which will be levied on luxury goods like watches and fashion items. Um, There are also plans to implement an excise duty on all nicotine products. And the government is also considering introducing a capital gains tax on the sale of uh, of shares in private companies in 2024. Uh, One aspect that has received a fair amount of attention are changes to the income tax structure. So the income tax on those earning more than 100,000 ringgit to 1 million will be raised by 0.5 to will be raised by 0.5% to two percentage points. Uh, This will affect fewer than 150,000 taxpayers, uh, which is the highest income bracket. Uh, Then the income tax on those earning between 35,000 to 100,000 ringgit will be lowered by two percentage points. This will result in an additional disposable income amount of 1,300 ringgit per year for about 2.4 million taxpayers. There's also a large focus on welfare, specifically on alleviating uh, burdens, helping the poor. So there were several allowances that were meant to alleviate the burden on fresh grads, namely um, a 20% discount for three months on PTPTN loan repayments, as well as a postponement of repayment to PTPTN borrowers for uh, for six months. This is for those who earn a monthly income of 1,800 ringgit and below. 
The government will also be amending the Insolvency Act of 1967 to enable bankruptcy cases to be discharged more quickly. Um, and this amendment, combined with the immediate release of cases owing less than 50,000 ringgit starting on the 1st of March, will allow 130,000 people to be released from their bankruptcy status. They will also be providing several forms of assistance to the poor. Um, and one of the more salient ones is the Pandapatan Rakyat Initiative, which has a 750 million ringgit allocation in 2023. This is aimed to empower the poor uh, as well as to increase their earning potential. Now, if we look on the business side of things, a fair amount being done to empower SMEs. So the government has made um, a commitment to spur SMEs in the long term with a number of grants and subsidies. For instance, the Sharikat Jaminan Pembiaan Perniagaan or the SJPP, which provides funding guarantees of 20 billion ringgit on loans dedicated to SMEs. The government is also planning on digitizing digitizing SMEs with 1 billion ringgit in funding under Bank Nagara um, as an allocation to help SMEs automate their processes. So uh, a number of things to look at really um, and we will be unpacking the various aspects of uh, the budget after this. For that we'll be joined by Farah Rosli who is Malaysia tax leader and Amarjeet Singh ASEAN tax leader both from Ernst & Young. But in the meantime we'd like to hear from you as well. What is most useful to you from Budget 2023, what stood out? Call 77332900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back after this, so keep it here, BFM 89.9. Stay tuned to BFM's Budget 2023 special, brought to you by Marsing. Banish fraudulent manoeuvres, BFM 89.9. This BFM Budget 2023 special is brought to you by Ma Singh. BFM 89.9, it is 6.16. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila. And we are diving into Budget 2023, which was, of course, tabled uh, just on Friday by the Prime Minister slash Finance Minister. Um, so we've been asking you for your thoughts. What is most useful to you from Budget 2023? What stood out? Send your thoughts through. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Now joining us on the line are Farah Rosli, Malaysia tax leader, and Amarjeet Singh, ASEAN tax leader from Ernst and Young. Farah, Amarjeet, thanks for speaking with us today. Hi, good evening. Hi, evening. Thanks for having us. So the Prime Minister announced Budget 2023 last Friday, as we said. Um, what were some of the key takeaways for you? Perhaps perhaps I'll start first. Uh, looking at the key takeaways, Budget 2023 has uh, a three-pronged approach. Economic revitalization, uh, institutional reform, and social justice. Right, And there are focus on uh, micro SMEs with loans and lower tax rate, as we would all have heard, from 17% to 15%. And uh, there are also proposals for Kazana and EPF to invest in local startups, which is, again, to support the micro SMEs. There is also the focus on FDIs with restructuring of investment incentives and a mention of Tun Razak uh, becoming the uh, Malaysia International Financial Hub. Uh, and, of course, a big word, digitalization, where uh, there's talk a proposal of, uh, of 100 million, if I'm not mistaken, to support automation and digitization of SMEs and traders. And, uh, and, and a whopping 1 billion for micro SMEs. 
Um, so, um, and there's also the voluntary disclosure program to encourage more people to come up voluntarily uh, to make declaration on whether they have got any uh, back taxes uh, when it comes to direct taxes or even indirect taxes. Amarjit, uh, would you like to chime in there? Sure. So for me, I, I think, um, you know, throughout um, the, his speech, the Prime Minister's uh, speech, uh, a lot of emphasis on the well-being of the Ratyat. Uh, so you saw, I mean, we saw a whole host of uh, support, um, you, you know, from not just the fiscal point tax. I think we saw uh, a number of um, initiatives in terms of, you know, financing, loan, ability to uh, to support the 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 masses and not only that i think the sme i think as farah mentioned um you know reducing the the first 150000 the rate so that was one uh, the other one is i think we you know it was still an expenditure budget it was still looking at economic growth uh so we you know there was a fair bit on um, uh, you know attracting fdis uh, some incentives mentioned there as well um, Farah mentioned digitalization. I think thirdly, we uh, the other one that was for me important. I think there was still uh, emphasis on uh, ESG sustainability. So these were the I would say in addition to what Farah just shared, uh, three other uh, takeaways for me personally. So as you just touched on there, actually, one of the main thrusts has been this additional spending on welfare, which is, of course, being supported by increasing taxes on the wealthy. How is this being received so far? And is this a sustainable approach for Malaysia in the long run? So maybe I'll go first. So um, I think in terms of wealthy, it is not just Malaysia doing it. I think about, was it two weeks ago, Singapore, um, you know, had their budget. And, um, you know, there was the luxury tax on uh, motor vehicles. There was additional stamp duty on real property. Um, and I was, you know, actually just um, in preparation of this budget, I was doing my own research a little bit. And actually, um, there's an OECD paper uh, that talked about developing economies. And one of the areas that the studies um, reported was really about um, increasing the tax on the wealthy. Uh, and supporting the, the you know the lower income group um, as a way um, as a measure for developing economies uh, to recover uh, and and grow post uh, the pandemic you know as if you know you know many countries not just Malaysia we we had to issue um, massive uh, stimulus measures so there's a need to increase the tax revenue but at the same time the the group that was most affected uh, affected during the pandemic was the was the B40. Uh, so it's not just Malaysia. I think this trend is uh, is across uh, many uh, developing economies. Let's drill down into some of these more people-centric policies, right? Um, so mm-hmm. um, there is a more focused approach to assisting the B40. Uh, what would you say are some of the most significant measures that have been introduced? I think first and much talked about is the uh, reduction of the 2% of the uh, tax below uh, income or for, for simplicity, I just call that income, although technically it's chargeable income below 100,000 ringgit and there's a reduction of 2%. So the savings ranges from between 300 ringgit to 1,300 ringgit. So we did a quick calculation in terms of what would that mean uh, when it comes to the 2% reduction and that's the 300 ringgit to 1,300 ringgit, which means there will be 
money to the pockets of uh, the, the people and this will impact 2.4 million taxpayers. So for those who are on the higher uh, income bracket, they will get the savings of 1,300 ringgit um, and, and the, the ones which is on the lower income would, would be probably ranging between 300 or 400 ringgit, which means and that this would be money spent in the economy uh, and this would hopefully help uh, to generate the economy with uh, domestic purchase, with spending that's happening um, in the economy. Um, and that's one. Um, the other one that I can mention is that there are also um, deductions and reliefs has been given to people. Everyone is seeing that medical expenses is getting very expensive here uh, and, and there is an overall annual limit increase uh, of tax relief for medical expenses from 8,000 8, ringgit to 10,000 ringgit. And that includes, um, uh, you know, scope of the relief, which include uh, more coverage. Uh, and that includes, um, you know, the, the different disorders, uh, disability, including Down syndrome, um, uh, you know, those who had to spend on medical for specific learning disabilities. And that goes up to 4,000 ringgit. So this is not just, perhaps not just covering uh, the, the B40, but it is actually personal reliefs or individual reliefs that's available uh, for, for all. Um, the other bit I can say in terms of measures that support the B40 is uh, the training programs. Uh, and I, I, I say this is because um, there is also the need to upskill and reskill uh, our people. Uh, and that would mean uh, helping, um, helping the rakyat uh, to, to enable them to achieve um, better income and being sustainable. So there are various programs such as TVET um, and you know, programs, uh, vendor, vendor development programs uh, that has been stated that would hopefully help uh, improve the uh, skill sets of people uh, and the riot as well. And that means uh, better uh, income hopefully in the future and, and also that means better productivity to encourage uh, growth of uh, what knock-on effects do you expect to see from the various aids and subsidies um, along with Anwar's firm stance about eradicating poverty? So I, yeah. I think that there is a, uh, you know, spurring economic growth, a uh, couple of options, right? Of course, increase public spending, you know, trying to attract, get the private sector to invest and, and spur economic. And, and the, the third one, I mean, there are many other ways as well, but the third one is really about increasing domestic spending. So all those stuff that, you know, Farah just mentioned earlier, the, the theory behind is usually the, uh, the, the groups that are B40 uh, and maybe to, to, to a fair extent as well, the M40, uh, they, they tend to spend a, a larger percentage um, of their income uh, in the economy versus I, I guess the T20. So the theory behind is, you know, these is the these are the group that will receive the support. They will they will be the ones that are um, spending and therefore um, increasing domestic spending, resulting in um, you know more economic activities. So that that I think in a nutshell, you know, the the, the knock on effect uh, to the you know the, the theory behind economics is you know, the, the, the more you have money roll in the economy, the, the, the better the outcome uh, should be. So, so that, that's my take uh, on that. 
we're speaking with uh, Farah Rosli and Amarjeet Singh from Ernst & Young. We'll continue our conversation with them after this. We are talking about Budget 2023. Uh, keep your thoughts coming as well. What is most useful to you from Budget 2023? What stood out? You can call 77332900. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Stay tuned to BFM's Budget 2023 special, brought to you by Marsing. Break from mediocrity, BFM 89.9. This BFM Budget 2023 special is brought to you by Marsing. It is 6.38. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and we are unpacking Budget 2023, uh, we, which was tabled on Friday by the Prime Minister uh, as well as the Finance Minister, Dr. Sri Anwar Ibrahim. We've been asking you for your thoughts to keep them coming. What is most useful to you from the budget? What stood out? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We are continuing our conversation with Farah Rosli, Malaysia tax leader, and Amarjeet Singh, ASEAN tax leader at Ernst and Young. Uh, Farah, Amarjeet, just to pick up where we left off. So um, earlier we spoke about the B forty and some of the. Um, some of the initiatives that were rolled out for them. Now, when it comes to the M40, the challenges of the M40 segment was addressed by way of um, for personal income tax cuts. How significant are these changes going to be in our day-to-day? Mm, yeah, I mean, that, that's a good question. If you look at the M40, the uh, tax cut, uh, as I mentioned earlier, would be run, ranging between 300 to 1,300 ringgit. And based on the PM speech, uh, this will impact 2.4 million taxpayers. So if you look at that amount, uh, see, we take an average of 500 ringgit and uh, at, at probably 2 million um, uh, taxpayers, that would be hundreds. And provided that this money is being used to spend in the economy, that would mean hundreds of millions uh, of um, activities happening uh, in the um in the economy, and there's also a, a, a you know a, a point being mentioned, and that this would mean then that businesses would be performing better with the spending, uh, or with the sales increasing from this uh, disposable income that that has actually been given back uh, to the uh, M forty, and this probably will be in a way help to spur uh, the economy with uh, all these activities uh, happening uh, with the tax cuts that the M40 is actually having. Uh, the, the other bit that I would like to touch on is also the other, um, not just on the tax cuts, but there are also other incentives uh, that's actually been provided uh, to the M40 uh, group. And this includes B40 or even M40. Uh, like for example, um, there is um, actually, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, a grant of 80% if I remember correctly, of uh, insured wages, um, you know, uh, that's given to employers who hire, for example, women who return back to work. And hopefully with this uh, grant or savings has been given to the employer, a portion of it or, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, some of it can also be returned back to the employees who are actually in the M40 category. 
So these are some of the maybe not so much a direct um, tax cuts uh, that has been introduced to M40, but there are also a series of other incentives that's been given uh, to employers with the hope that perhaps some of these benefits would flow down or trickle back to the M40 group or even the B40 group. Do you see these incentives or, or these changes as a stepping stone to introducing more progressive tax reforms? Could it could it could be because we're looking at taxing the rich, uh, the T20 that's been mentioned, and um, you know the 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 and that's impacting the hundred fifty thousand taxpayers, uh, and then from that would be in a way subsidizing the tax cuts uh, that has been given to the uh, M40s and the P40s. But the one point I'd like to make is then that we, we still need to think about achieving a high-income country where we have more of our people um, working or directing towards achieving high income. Uh, and, you know, I always say then that when you have people with more income, naturally, uh, there will be more tax collected. Uh, for the country, um, and you know, and 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 you know, we, we should not um, focus on uh, taxing, you know, we taxing the rich, but you know, and uh, but not focusing on. At the same time, we should also focus on actually increasing the wealth and the income of all, right? Yeah, all, notwithstanding uh, the B forties, M forties, and the T twenties, and continue to invest and reinvest uh, in our country. So if I may add, right, to Sarah's point, right, um, you know, so on one side, we see a higher tax for the T20, which is, um, you know, within the ambit of progressive tax reform. But when we compare, uh, say, the contribution of personal uh, tax to the overall tax revenue in terms of ratio, and then we, when we compare that with, uh, say, some of the more developed countries, um, say within the OECD, we usually fall short. Um, part of it is maybe the tax for the wealthy is not high enough, and you know that part is being addressed. But to Farah's point, the other point is you know we really need more uh, people that are sitting within the T20 and more people sitting within the M uh, M40, uh, so that you know collectively as a group, they they earn higher income and therefore they contribute to. Uh, the tax revenue of the country. And, and I think that, you know, we need to pursue both um, in balance. You know, in the past, um, you know, and I'm guilty of that too, um, you know, we had a lot of pride uh, as Malaysia being, uh, say, the low cost of doing business. I think today the, the, that, that narrative is changing uh, because that in itself may not... Uh, um, you know, be the right answer for Malaysia. So just to add an additional layer to that then, um, economist Jeffrey Williams has said that given that the amount of savings from these tax cuts for the M40 are not that high, that the actual motive to this is to increase spending and then to raise company revenue. What do you make of this statement? Okay, so I would say both, um, I, I would think both are, uh, the objectives are two-pronged. Um, one, of course, uh, the, the motive um, is to allow the M40 to ease um, and the higher cost of living, the burden that comes along with that, but at the same time uh, to spur uh, domestic spending. 
you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, a number of ways to increase economic activity. And one of it is really through um, increasing domestic uh, spending. And the M40 and the B40 uh, studies do say uh, a bigger percentage of their income uh, is usually spent. And therefore, uh, and hence going to the point of the economists, which is, you know, um, helping to um, uh, create more, um, what we call, um, you know, raise company revenue. So it's both two-pronged, not just one. That's my, my view. Farah? Yeah, I mean, I, I concur with Amaji on that. In fact, I was just going to say the same thing. If you look at, uh, see if I take, you know, the, the savings is uh, purportedly to be between 300 to 1,300 ringgit. So if I say we take 500 ringgit and you multiply by the 2.4 million taxpayers, I'm taking from the lower range. That's, okay, I don't have my calculator here, but that's a couple of billion ringgit that will be flowing in bank uh, to the economy. And that's like what Amaji has said would be, uh, you know, generating the economy because uh, the proportion, the percentage of spending uh, by a higher percentage of, of the income of this group of people will be used to spend on food, on transportation, on um, you know, on all those necessities that's needed on a day-to-day -day basis. So that would naturally contribute to the um, you know, the 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 uh, to, to the economy itself and making it more more ranchak and more energized the economy itself. We are speaking with Farah Rosli and Amarjit Singh of Ernst & Young. We'll continue our conversation after this. Uh, but do keep your thoughts coming. What's most useful to you from Budget 2023? What stood out to you? You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. Keep it here. We'll be back after this. BFM 89.9. Stay tuned to BFM's Budget 2023 special. Brought to you by Marsing. Be free-minded. BFM 89.9 This BFM Budget 2023 special is brought to you by Ma Singh. It's 6.48. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and we are discussing Budget 2023 with Farah Rosli, Malaysia Tax Leader and Amarjeet Singh, ASEAN Tax Leader from Ernst & Young. Uh, so just to pick up where we left off, Farah, you've previously said in response to the budget uh, that certain measures like the potential capital gains tax on the sale of unlisted shares, that these need to be studied further to avoid unintended adverse implications. Talk to us about some of these potential consequences. Yeah, I mean, thanks for the question. The capital gains tax is really um, a new, um, a, a new announcement. I, I can't say that I'm totally surprised, or neither am I saying that I'm not surprised, because there were a discussion in terms of whether you know we should actually introduce new form of taxes, and capital gains tax is one of them. So Malaysia, we you know our taxation system, we tax income but we do not tax capital gains except for unless it is a gain, capital gain arising from sale of property or when you sell shares, uh, which is shares of real property company. I will not go into the detail of that, but basically we do not have a tax on capital other than these two. Our normal income tax regime is based on income. Yep. So this proposal to bring a plan to actually introduce capital gains tax on sale of unlisted shares 
is something that um, has taken some of us uh, by, uh, I wouldn't, uh, like what I say, it's not really a total surprise, but neither is it a non-surprise. Non uh, but really, it's something that we need to think further because, uh, and I'm glad then that the in the announcement, it did say then that uh, the government is going to undertake a study uh, to look at this and get feedbacks from the industry. Uh, and this is very important because we do not want the unintended negative impact to kick in or any knee-jerk reaction right, arising from um, you know, um, misunderstanding of what this is. And uh, I think as we need, as a country, uh, the government need to bring a plan to the table that focuses on the long term and sustainable growth of the capital market as well. And although I would think that perhaps because if, say, for example, if this capital gains tax is going to be introduced on 1st January 24, for example, right, there could maybe, uh, in anticipation of the new tax, there could be a temporary increase of activities. Yeah, as businesses decide to undertake restructuring or realignment of their business uh, or, 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 come, or individuals decide to sell the shares now, uh, because there's no capital gains, but there will be capital gains tax in a, in, in a year's time or a few months' time. However, in my view, this may only be temporary. And uh, another point that can impact uh, the Brayat and the people is in that businesses usually conduct group restructuring exercises. And this the reason why they do this is to streamline, uh, to achieve efficiencies or to see how, what else they can do to generate more revenue or more income for the business. The proposal of introduction of capital gains tax may impact such plan and may slow down when uh, the capital gains tax uh, kicks in uh, due to the uh, potential tax implication. And the, the third point uh, that I would like to say is then that there's also a possibility of foreign companies or foreign-owned entities, foreign shareholders, to quickly dispose of their shares and this could lead to perhaps capital flight. Um, and they may do this uh, and sell the shares and move to countries that do not impose capital gains tax. So these are some of the things that needs to be considered. And the both by the government, by opening up and saying then that more study and more feedback will be obtained from the industry players, from the public, from taxpayers, I think that's a welcome move uh, because we do not want to introduce something and totally be blindsided by uh, the unintended outcome. On a separate point, we are still waiting to find out more information on the luxury goods tax, but what should be the criteria for this? So I, I would say the first criteria would be, surely this cannot be goods that are of, um, you know, necessity. Um, although, you know, what is luxury to one mm. person may be a necessity to another person. Yeah, yeah. So it's... Uh, it's going to be a, I think, a fun time for the regulators to to come up with the list. So, so surely, uh, you know, goods that are necessity cannot be within this luxury. Yeah, but you know, these will be goods that I think even the M forty may may you know may may purchase. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The category of the goods. Um, I think that's important. I totally echo that. The other one would be the uh the valuation of the goods. You know, how do you value the good? Um, you know, and you know, some luxury goods have secondhand market. You know, what what is the right value, and so as not to con so as not to con to have disputes in the future. Um, for example, 
And um, I think before the introduction of, of this, it cannot be introduced suddenly. Time needs to be given to businesses. Mm, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, at the same time, we do not want an impact to our tourism industry. You know, uh, you know there are people saying then that, you know, we do not want, we want, the, we want the tourists to continue to spend and shop and leave their money here in Malaysia. And, you know, by having this luxury goods tax, we don't know whether this will have an impact to the uh, inflow of uh, tourists uh, and whether this will impact our retail market here in Malaysia. Now, if we look at the um, if we look at the initiatives around digitization and tech, there have been several mm. measures in this budget to digitize uh, SMEs, the agriculture sector, industries as a whole. How do you think this wave of digitization will impact industries in Malaysia? Well, I, I would maybe start off and say uh, I think it's it's super important, and I'm actually encouraged uh, by the measures that were introduced in the recent budget. I think, you know, we, we saw um, specific funds being set up. Uh, I now don't remember the exact number, but I know there's a, there's a fund under the bank, I thought to the tune of maybe one billion or something. Um, and that is important, right? So the, the little studies that we have done, you know, when it comes to the SMEs versus the large organization, the issue with the SMEs is always about funding. Uh, not so much, um, you know, tax incentives. The the is is usually the larger groups that um, the larger companies that look for tax incentives because they they have more, uh, I guess, the capacity or the ability to move. You know, whether they operate in Malaysia or they operate in Singapore, they they have that that ability to do that. Uh, SMEs usually don't, and the biggest challenge amongst the SMEs is usually about. You know, if they want to grow, it's really about funding and digitalization. Um, you know, many studies have been done, and it, it does give SMEs an avenue to grow. Uh, the, the question is usually how can they use uh, digital? How can they use technology to change their process? So the one thing you know, besides funding. Uh, that we saw in uh, in in the announced in the budget, I think if we can have some kind of a sort of a center of excellence where uh, they handhold SMEs, and I know um, there are a, uh, agencies that are already doing it. Um, not too sure whether specifically for the SMEs. I know MDAC does a fair bit, uh, and there are other agencies as well. Um, so you know, really about working with the SMEs and guide them on how they could digitalize their operations. Um, what I heard in the budget speech, there was about, uh, there were, uh, you know, maybe grants given for, um, you know, uh, accounting software and all that. I mean, all that is good, but I think the bigger thing is really about how can they, how can SMEs automate, digitize their operations? How can they uh, have access to, say, the ASEAN market, not just Malaysia. Uh, and I think that sometimes needs the, uh, you know, you need an expert to guide you, to work with you to do that. And they just don't have the, the ability or the capacity to do that. So if we can have some kind of a centralized place where we, you know, the whole focus is really about doing this for the SME, I think that would be good. Farah, we have Farah? about a minute left if you'd like to add on. Just rattle off, uh, in addition to what Amaji has said, 
um, the one point in, in addition to that is the kind of talent and people that could support business to have so that they have the right people who are able to manage the new digitalized or digitalized business. I think that's important. And the last point on digitalization is then that I, I think the move by the government in the budget in 2023 to digitalize and reform and reform measures that's been introduced to also improve the government delivery system. I think that's most welcome because this in turn will ease uh, doing business in Malaysia and that's most welcome. Amarjit Farah, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having Thank us. You. Thank you. That was Farah Rosli and uh, Amarjit Singh from Ernst & Young uh, helping us uh, understand Budget 2023. Keep your thoughts coming on that as well. You've been listening to Inside Story, BFM 89.9. This BFM Budget 2023 special was brought to you by Marsing. Reinvent spaces. Enhance life. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.